Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. I'd expect that from you, Cincinnati. It's so great to be back. Yeah. We were just here seven months ago, and you all came back. You're really nice. Thank you. Um, I, did a, I did a French tuck today just for you all. Just for Cincinnati. No, I love the French tuck. Tan is Tan France is here, right? Welcome to Tan is usually at our shows. I assume. Uh, Welcome to the very first show of the twenty funny fill your life with laughter and love tour. As you can see, we have tasteful stage decor. Uh, Are those considered primitives? They're primitives. It's a primitive look. Those are those stores. Yeah, the yeah, stores. That's yeah, what they're called. In case sure. people are like, what are you talking about? Yeah, we, we are well called. accustomed to primitives. We live in West Virginia. Yeah. That's what Primitive in more ways than yeah. one. No. Come on. I'm just having some fun. I live there. Shut up. <laughs> it's okay. You can begin the podcast now. <laughs> you know what well, we're talking about. A, I don't. Well, I know, but you had a whole thing you were going to say. Oh, I thought you, you were, were going to say the thing. No, you were going to say. You know, Cincinnati... We we took a break. There's we a, took a break from touring. It's not it the, doesn't show. Yeah, listen, Cincinnati, you got a lot of very impressive firsts, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in medicine. We were looking like, what's a good medical topic for first uh, heart lung machine, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. From Cincinnati, a lot of the first heart transplant, uh, first Jewish uh, hospital mm-hmm. right here, Cincinnati, but also Cincinnati. Y'all get nasty. (laughs) So if you can guess which one we're going to speak on tonight, that's correct. It is the third. It is the final one. It's not Geta again. We're going to leave that alone. No. (laughs) We did that last time. Yeah. Uh, No, I I started looking into the history of Cincinnati and what 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 medically was, you know, relevant. What was interesting? What would you want to know? And I kept stumbling upon... Something that we've covered on the show before, but in greater depth, which is that Cincinnati has a rich history of grave robbing and body snatching. Like, like a rich history. You shouldn't cheer yet. You should wait for the end. Nasty. Do you see what I'm saying? Grave robbing. We love it. Uh-huh. Two things of, from us are chili and grave robbing. That's Cincinnati. I usually, so I title my, my 
outlines for our shows, just something for me to like know what I'm searching for in my own Google Docs, like not for anybody else. So I usually don't share the titles, but the title of this one was so good, I felt like I had to say it before <laughs> I started the show. So we're going to talk about William Cunningham and the Ghouls of Cincinnati, <laughs> which is a great band if your name is William Cunningham. <laughs> sure. So if you're here, William Cunningham, you can have that. That's yours. Uh, <laughs> also, put the bodies back. <laughs> Nasty. And, go, and be dead again, because you came back to life, I'm assuming. For a, yes. For a, <laughs> for a good bit of history, when we've talked about this before, but you weren't allowed to dissect cadavers the way we do now in medical schools to learn about anatomy, to understand the human body, so that you could, you know, like take care of it and try to keep other human bodies still alive. Uh, and that was a huge problem for medical schools because how are you supposed to do the right thing for somebody if you have no idea what, you know, what their gushy bits are inside there? You're just kind of guessing. You're looking at pictures. Some of them are wrong. Some of them are right. And there were very limited opportunities, even when it was legal to dissect somebody. It was usually that somebody committed a crime that was considered so bad in the eyes of the law that they would not only sentence you to death, but they would sentence you to dissection. And so there were very rare opportunities where the, where like the court system was like, here you go. This is one you can have. They're really bad. It's they were really... so bad. The big problem with that is all their hearts are three sizes too small. So that's going to give... <laughs> the doctors um, um, a misunderstanding of the size of the heart. And in those cases... Do you remember when the you... Grinch murdered those people? <laughs> that was weird. This was implying, I guess. And then, I mean, I guess what you're saying is then after that he was put to death and dissected by medical student? Medical student who's? Um, I guess, yeah, they would be the who's doing the dissection of the Grinch. That's very There's not dark. other Grinches around, so I guess, yes, Sid, if you want to get dark, the who's down in Whoville would have to carve the roast beef. If you'll <laughs> carve, the, carve the roast beast if you'll uh, forgive, the, forgive the expression. Okay, there were no Grinches involved in this story originally. I don't know. So, <laughs> if you were lucky enough to be at a school where a dissection, where an actual human, you know, cadaver was, and you could witness a dissection, it usually was pretty crowded. There were, it, if you were a young medical student, you weren't going to get the opportunity to actually do anything. They might be done in a big theater where, like, the bosses got to do stuff, and you just got to kind of crowd around and, like, try to take notes. Um, so, it was not great for medical education. So, it put physicians... And, and people training to become physicians in this really bad situation where it's not that, I mean, like, they knew where there were bodies. <laughs> they knew where they were. Uh, and they, they knew how to get them. It just wasn't legal. And so at this point in history, doctors got a really bad rap, and especially medical students, for going and robbing fresh graves for cadavers so that they could do their anatomical dissections and learn about the human body. So, like, they had a, a good goal, but a very bad way of going about it. Um, and so for a while, like, it really was the doctors and students themselves who were doing this, uh, which really added to, like, the mistrust 
of the public. <laughs> like, doctors were not popular. Not that, like, we're super popular now, but they really weren't popular at that point because it's like, no, I know what you do. I don't want you touching me. You rob graves. And so they were like, well, we need to outsource. <laughs> we don't want to be doing this ourselves because it's not a great look. We need people who are willing to do this for a price. And that is where the resurrection men or resurrectionists, as they were known, came into the picture. And these were just people who were like, yeah, I mean, you pay me the right amount and I'll go dig up a fresh grave. Sure, I'll no bring problem. The body. Yeah, no questions asked. And like, it became a very uh, lucrative profession and a very involved profession where if you were going to get a body, you had to get one that was pretty newly, you know, dead um, for it to still be dissectable and learn things. And you had to have like a method of doing it really quickly. And, and you would even do things like if you were going to set your price, there were different prices based on how much learning you might get from that cadaver. So they would like send people to the funerals as like fake mourners. <laughs> nice. To like case the joint <laughs> and gather info. They would even like send like supposed grieving widows to like the poor houses to claim like John Doe's that nobody knew who they were and be like, that's definitely my husband. And <laughs> so it was a very, Whoa, that's yeah, intense. It was a very involved profession. And they could charge in their dollars up to $80 for a cadaver, which would be like about $2,000 now. So, I mean, you could make a lot of money doing this. Uh, um, um, hey, hold on. Quick time out. Quick pause. Uh-huh. Now, at this point, I'm standing up from the table to remove some very precious uh, fill your life with laughter and love signs that our dear friend Paul had lovingly placed in the front of the stage and obscured the view of some of our beloved audience members. So I'm standing up to rectify the situation. Few people's view of the goods were being obscured. Get your full ticket price, my friends. My, my beautiful friends I'm beholding for the first time now that our signage has moved. Paul, I was right about the signs, Paul. Write it down in your notebook. My friend Justin was, dear diary, my friend Justin was right. The signs blocked their view. But luckily, Justin saved my show. What a hero. Sorry, Sid. Go on now that the view is no longer obscured by our signage. Continue your tale in your full visual splendor for the first row. Thanks. You are, of course, welcome. So you may be wondering, where were the cops? Why didn't anybody... Yes, where were the cops when Paul said the signs were okay there, Sydney? The man should be imprisoned. We were all wondering it. Where also were the cops when all the grave robbing was happening? And the the problem is that there was this kind of this conflict among like the judicial system, the court system, and the and the legal system. Like we kind of understand why the medical schools need bodies. Like we get it. We understand what they're trying to do. It's not nefarious. They just they need to you know understand how the human body works, and we get it. But at the same time, this is illegal, and this is not the way you should go about this. This is wrong. So the penalties were actually not that bad. It was just like a small fine if you got caught, which it, I know. It seems like it should be way worse. And they, they kind of 
you know, just didn't like pay attention to it intentionally because it just wasn't, it was like, uh, I don't want to mess with this. It's not worth our time and trouble and it might be okay. So, so a lot of families took to trying to protect their loved ones on their own. And like, it could be as simple as just like, I'm just going to stay graveside for the first few weeks to protect the grave. Two, there was actually a patent at the time on a coffin torpedo, <laughs> which was like a spring-loaded bomb in the coffin that like was loaded once you shut the lid. And so if anybody tried to open it, it would just like, you know, explode. That's, that's actually my favorite scene in Home Alone. It's weird <laughs> that they stole it for that. Uh, but these deterrents weren't working. It, there was too much money in the game, and people wanted that money. And so by the time we get to, like, the mid-1800s into the late-1800s, uh, there were tons and tons of people, like, resurrectionists in this line of work. Uh, and it only grew as there were more medical schools. And by the mid-1800s, Cincinnati had five established, like, certified, actual, real-deal medical schools. And then... Uh, about eight more sort of <laughs> loosey-goosey kind of like like we'll, fun ones <laughs> <laughs> we'll take you in and we'll get you a degree eventually if you have enough money but like anyway there was a huge demand in Cincinnati specifically because of so many medical students so many physicians in training we need bodies to dissect and so you needed a resurrection man who could supply and that's where we meet William Cunningham. The history of William Cunningham is a little, we're not sure. Uh, we think he was born sometime around 1807 in Ireland, and then he came over to the U.S. at some point. But we really don't know what he was up to until he started his, what would make him infamous, his grave robbing. Um, he was noted to be kind of like a tough, surly guy. He liked to drink whiskey. Him and his wife, Mary, even would kind of work together on these jobs. She was also noted to be like a tough lady who liked whiskey. <laughs> that was kind of their, that was the main thing as you read, like, what did people know about him? They're like, they were really tough. They liked whiskey. <laughs> so if you've always imagined grave robbers as genteel, uh, sorry to burst your bubble. Uh, when he was, he was described in 1870, people talked about, uh, he had a ponderous yet gaunt frame, a villainous bald head, uh, Come on. a strong marked face with age and crime, a canine mouth from the corners of which slowly trickle the generous saliva impregnated with the juices of nicotine. He had, a, he had one leg that was broken and, and had been shot and was, like, full of buckshot. And so he always kind of, like, limped on the one leg, which made it all impressive that he was very good at his job. He moved very quickly. Um, and when you would ask him, as he, he was asked in his census, like, what do you do for a job? He would tell people, I drive an express wagon. Yeah. I which mean, is kind of true. I mean, true. It didn't it do what's in it. Well, yeah. You know, it had to be express once you'd loaded your cargo. Um, he was said to have exhumed up to 100 bodies a year Whoa. in the height of his career. Um, he was, yes, he, he was very I productive. bet there were individual people that weren't putting that many into the ground in a given year. And, uh, and especially, this was a lot considering that there was only a specific time of the year that you would do this. You didn't want to be in this business during the summer. So it was really just like October and November. That was it. 
Those, those were the time, and that was actually the time of the year when medical schools would be like, now we will start the dissection lesson. <laughs> the, the thermostat is dropping, so it's time to get some bodies. Coincidentally, this is when we do dissection. Uh, and he also, he only charged about $30 as opposed to like the high-end 80 so I guess he also offered you a deal. Sure. Well, he's doing quantity. That's the, that's the profits are right there. <laughs> The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier then you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going to. Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool. Think of it as the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the Easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McRoy fan site. Go to squarespace.com sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McRoy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or cleanup get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week you're going to get exactly what you want no surprises here uh and the meals i can say are delicious so what do you got to lose head on over to factormeals.com sawbones 50 and use code sawbones 50 to get 50 percent off that's code sawbones 50 at factormeals.com sawbones 50 to get 50% off. Uh, He was very bold in his grave robbing, and this, of course, uh, resulted in a lot of stories, you know, myths, legends, true, somewhat true, that have arisen about William Cunningham, who was also known 
Uh, so it, at the time, resurrectionists were also called ghouls. So you may also just be called a ghoul. Well, he was known as the ghoul. If you said the ghoul, you only met one guy. Uh, he also went by the name Old Man Dead. Good. Uh, and and that, they would use that. Actually, it was very common at the time in Cincinnati, like if you were raising young children and they were misbehaving. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> to raise the specter of Old Man Dead. <laughs> like, you better watch out or Old Man Dead <laughs> will get you. It's a gruesome time. Uh, and then sometimes they would just call him Old Cunny. No. Don't. No. Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, one of the stories, and I'll tell you a few stories about him. One of the stories that I liked is that at one point he was in the cemetery mid grave robbing expedition with some he always had like some people helping him out he didn't work completely alone he was the boss but he always had some some guys working with him but he was in the middle of robbing a grave when the authorities showed up and were like come on we're taking you in you can't do this come on like we gotcha um this is a pain but we gotta take you in and all of all, everybody else like absconded they all like took off except for cunningham and he was like okay boys you got me yeah i get it on our way to jail, though, do you want a drink? Do you want to? There's like a pub right there. Do you want to stop for a quick drink before we go? And the cops were like, no, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we do. We're bad cops, sure. <laughs> so they all went to the bar, and they had a few drinks and, you know, relaxed. And after a while, they were like, we really don't want to bother taking you in. Will you just promise us, like, don't do this again? Just promise, please. Bill, please, old man dead, don't do this He's anymore. Like, you got it. I'm going to learn carpentry. <laughs> and whatever he said convinced them that he had turned over a new leaf and was not going to do this anymore. And so they said goodbye. They let him go on his way. Of course, he returned immediately back to the graveyard, finished his work. <laughs> he went, like, round the block. <laughs> and sold a body. Um, <laughs> there was another tale where... Cunningham was, he, he got a body and he was delivering it to one of the medical schools and he had to like go through the city through like busy streets. And while it was nighttime, there were still a lot of people out and about, you know, partying, having a good time. And so what he did was he dressed the body in some new clothes <laughs> and put it up in the wagon with him, like with his arm yes. around him. The real weekend at Bernie's? He told, Yes. <laughs> He completely weakened, weakened at Bernie the guy. Another Cincinnati first. <laughs> so he got him all upright, got his shoes on him and everything, and they started riding down the street, and every time the guy would kind of slump over <laughs> or fall, he'd straighten him up, and he would yell something like, Sit up. This is the last time, by God, I'll ever take you home when you get drunk. You ought to be ashamed of yourself with a wife and children to support. And just yell this stuff. And everybody just thought, like, oh, look at that nice friend. <laughs> you know, he may rob graves professionally, but he's a sweet person. <laughs> uh, there is another story about Cunningham where he so the easiest kind of business to be in if you're a resurrectionist was you know local <laughs> like shop local um 
And that was how he usually did things to just the medical schools in town. But because he was so good at what he did, he got a reputation that expanded beyond Cincinnati. And so physicians from outside the area who needed to train medical students or who needed to learn something themselves, it was kind of like a self-taught era, would reach out to him and be like, can you somehow get me a cadaver? Is that, is that possible? And apparently he said, yeah, sure, maybe. Okay, I'll figure it out. So at one point he went to American Express where you could ship things at the time. It wasn't a credit card. And, <laughs> and he had a big box that was marked glass, handle with care. <laughs> and he brought the box and addressed it to a Dr. Hardy in Leavenworth, Kansas. And he said, now I want this, I want you to take this box, collect on delivery. I'm going to need 30 bucks when they get it. And apparently after he left, the employee at American Express was like, mm, something feels wrong. <laughs> that was old man dead. And I don't feel good about any of this. And we haven't invented glass yet. <laughs> so he opened the box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A, Do you want to know what's in it? Is it a body set? What's in the box? What's in the box? Do you want to know what's in the box? So there was a cadaver in the box. Yeah, we all saw that coming. <laughs> so the way they handled this. Although I can imagine by the time it got there, it, someone would be like, you know what? This is pretty stinky glass. <laughs> Something's wrong. So the way they handled this is the, the person who opened the box sent one of like their porters out and was like, go talk to this guy. And tell him, like, we know there's a body. <laughs> and tell him we don't want to deal with it. And that's exactly, so this porter shows up, and Cunningham's, like, out in his barn, and he goes and finds him, and he's like, hey, we opened your box. It's not glass. And Cunningham's just like, did you call the cops, man? Really? And they're like, no, don't worry. <laughs> We're not going to do that. We just don't want to deal with it. So will you come get it, please? And he was like, fine, fine. And then he tells them, but you know, I've already shipped a hundred people this way. Whoa! So it really isn't that big of a deal, but fine. Just please don't call the cops. And apparently at the time, they're like, no problem. <laughs> uh, he was known as someone who was not to be crossed, not to be messed with. He was like a tough guy. Um, and some of the stories that, again, you know, how this kind of mythology spreads, was it true or not? But he, he once, when some medical students had kind of cheated him out of some money that he felt he was due, uh, he gave them a cadaver that had died of smallpox. Woo! So he's not somebody to be trifled with. Uh, and then sometimes, and this was not just Cunningham, this was actually very common for the day, he would uh, sell a cadaver to a medical school and then wait until nightfall and go steal it back <laughs> and go sell it to another medical school and then wait until nightfall and steal it back again. And what are they going to do, tell the cops? <laughs> this was a very common problem that medical schools ran into where they would like have to buy the same body like four or five times They'd, he'd draw a little mustache on it with sharpie uh now cunningham eventually met his end i don't think he had a very healthy lifestyle it was not a violent end 
Um, but I don't think he took very good care of himself because uh, he, he died somewhere between the ages of 50 and 65. Nobody's really sure. Um, but it was in 1871. We know that because before he died, his last act was to preemptively sell himself. Mm. Oh, that goes down mm-hmm. smooth. <laughs> to the Medical College of Ohio. And so uh, upon his death, his wife got 50 bucks uh, because he had already donated his body or sold his body, I should say, ahead of time. And uh, Mary, as I said, his wife was a tough customer too. She said, I know he negotiated 50. Mama need 55. (laughs) And she got it. And uh, like all the bodies he resurrected, he was also dissected by young medical students to further their anatomical knowledge. But they didn't just bury him at the end, unlike all the other cadavers. As a tribute, I guess, (laughs) depending on what you think the word tribute means, as a tribute to him, his skeleton was displayed at the medical college after the dissection was done. And it was like, like displayed on wires, like propped into a sitting position in a cabinet, like in a glass cabinet. As you walked in, you could see there was a skeleton of William Cunningham with a pipe between his teeth and a big wooden spade in his hand. Nice. Very cool. Because that's how he spent his life. I I don't think he's still there. Uh, as you may imagine, this practice of resurrecting bodies uh, uh, eventually came to an end. The most high-profile crime associated with this actually occurred in Cincinnati, and uh, it was when the body of a congressman from Ohio, John Scott Harrison, who was in fact the son of President William Henry Harrison, uh, was, was stolen after he died. It's actually, uh, the story is that while, while his family was at his funeral, they noticed that the grave of a friend of their family, uh, an Augustus Devon, the grave had been robbed. And so after the funeral, they went about getting search warrants so that they could go look for this friend because they knew he was at, everybody knew that, that these bodies were at medical schools. And you can read lots of stories of families like searching medical schools and like co- cops searching for medical school. They knew that the medical students had them. And so they get warrants to go search for Augustus Devon. And as they're searching for this other man in the meantime, <laughs> the congressman's body is stolen and that's who they discover. And because this gets these shocking headlines and it's such a high-profile crime, the penalties for grave robbing uh, become a lot worse at this point. And um, there are a lot of riots. We've, we've talked about this on the show yeah. before, like doctors, like riots at medical schools and, and like to go chase down doctors I'll, like in the streets. I want to take a moment for poor Augustus Devin, though. I, I doubt that fool ever had a thought if history remembers me for anything. <laughs> I hope that my body is stolen and that helps them find another cooler body. (laughs) And that is why my name shall be repeated in the year of our Lord, 2020, Anno Domini. They did find him eventually. 
Oh, cool. That's very chill for him. Excellent. <laughs> I'm just saying. Could you have, uh, next time, if we ever do this exact episode again, could you learn like one hobby that this guy had or something? <laughs> just fill out the bio I a little bit. I can do that. Augustus Devon. I'm sure he did something <laughs> else. Uh, but this, because of this, it also. It Augustus also, Devon IV just walked out. I'm sorry! We didn't know. He may still be in Cincinnati. I don't know. Maybe the family. Uh, but because of this, people also realize that, one, like, this is terrible, and we need to put a stop to it. Like, this is not okay. And also, we do need a way, if we're going to, like, you know, as, as doctors started to point out, if you're going to sue me when I don't know how to do medicine, can you at least help me know how to do medicine? Which is fair. We did need to teach people, like, what was inside the human body because we had a lot of stuff wrong in the past. <laughs> yeah, it's embarrassing. Uh, and so the, they also found pathways where you could legally donate your body to science. And then, you know, obviously nowadays that's how we do it. There is no more grave robbing. I, I do not. I can tell you that I would not have gone to medical school if I thought this was part of the job description. And I hope other doctors would say the same. You would be a grave robber. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't have gone to medical school. No, you'd be a grave robber instead, I mean. That seems like <laughs> it would be up your, a good use of your skill set. Uh, Cincinnati, thank you so much, beautiful Taft Theater, for having us here. Um, as always, thank you to uh, Paul Saborin. Uh, thank you to the taxpayers for the use of song medicines as the intro and outro of our program. Um, thanks to Max from Fun Network as having us uh, part of their podcasting family. Thank you to you for being here or listening later after the fact. Uh, we appreciate it. So, until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head!